0: Began a series on what's um, on apologetics. Um, we define that in simple terms to mean the ability to articulate what you believe and be able to defend it. Um in other words to make um to make what you're believe makes sense to you so much so that you're able to then share it with someone else basically that's apologetics Um, and that would mean that especially in our contemporary world uh, many of us are some of us are in the western world and even those of us that are not in the western world are living by western paradigms Uh, we've been educated with western education and so we tend to think westernly and if there's any common denominator uh, for the West at the moment it's the fact that it's where the West has tended towards post-Christianity not just post-modernity or modernism as the case may be Um, there are more people that don't believe in God in in the UK than those that claim to believe in God and even those that claim to believe in God there are still all sorts of Divergent opinions on as to what that looks like and the kind of things that they believe about God, but story for another day. All that's to say that we live in a world that is increasingly becoming hostile to being a Christian. As a young person, uh, and by young, I simply mean you have you hopefully have more days to live than the days that you have lived. <laughs> That's that's one very easy definition of young. You're young if you believe by God's grace that you still have more years to live than the years you've lived already. Um, So as a young person in that sense, there's every tendency that when you want to go out of the comfort zone of your Christian space, by that I mean your immediate church, congregation, um, or tradition, um, in terms of when you have to go beyond that to people that are unchurched. There's every tendency that you'll be asked some questions that may find you unprepared or questions that would actually make you think, that's true. How, 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 how is that even reasonable? Why did I even believe that all along? You know, Maybe not necessarily like that, but questions that would challenge what you believe and help you to come to a place of hopefully reach our understanding of what you believe. And last week, we looked at one of those questions um, about tragedy and suffering. Like, why does God allow suffering and tragedies? That was what we discussed last week. And we were doing that using a resource. Um, For those of us that are regulars, you would know that we tend to use study material um, and the one we began to use is a series of video teachings by Matt Chandler, um, a pastor in the United States, who puts this series of um, videos together um, whereby there are each each episode features at least three or four young people from their congregation um, sharing a particular area of struggle um, about their faith. And then Eden speaks into that. And we didn't watch the full clip for last week because we could only take as much. Um, and my wife and I woke up this morning to a news that again brings back all of those things we talked about last week. We have some precious friends that we served together quite a number of years back. Um, and they've been married for some years and no kids. And then eventually, last some days back, we saw a post on Facebook that now they have a child and they were really excited about that and thanking God and praising his name that the reproach of these many years is now taken away. Um, and then we woke up to the news this morning to say that that boy or girl, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, is dead, died last night. The new baby that was just literally born, um, yet to be named and is back to the creator. I mean, when you hear something like that, it's troubling to say the least. Um, Like, okay, God is supposed to be good, yeah? And this baby is supposed to be innocent, yeah? So what's going on here? Um, So when you reason along those lines, that's quite something to process. Um, And so last week we spent some good time on that today we're moving on um that's not to say that we have said everything that could possibly be said about what we discussed last week um there's so much more to say um and suffering is a matter that touches us all which was why last week's meeting was really rich because there were just so many stories and testimonies and personal experiences that were coming forth in that meeting of how even we ourselves here in this meeting are struggled in those areas. Um, But today we are going on to another question about science. Um, How, um, the way the question is phrased is that does science disprove Christianity? In other words, there have been so many findings um, in the last, I don't know, especially in the last century, um, that had made some people begin to go as far as question the existence of God on the one hand, and maybe question some things that we've read about in the Bible. Um, And that's why I'm just going to pause now and actually throw it open to us before we even go to watch the video, um, at least a part of it. Again, I don't think we might be able to take the full video. Um, But again, to ask us point blank, What are the things you've possibly come across in the Bible that are just mind-boggling vis-a-vis what you know to be possible, to be realistic, to be true, to be factual, um, vis-a-vis what you've been taught in school, what you've been taught in class, um, theories of evolution, for instance, and things like that, whatever it is. I just want to actually hear... um, Not necessarily how you've made sense of it, but to first of all state the problems, state the issues, state those puzzling pieces that we've read in the Bible that, yeah, you know the Bible is true, but this particular passage or this particular story, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe someone just fabricated it up (laughs) or something like that. Um, I would like to hear our honest um reflections on that before we. Proceeding the conversation, any volunteers um,
1: for Noah's Ark?
2: <laughs> why is why is that a positive? Was,
1: was Noah able to take dinosaurs into his ark?
0: <laughs> I think that poses even a bigger question. Mm. Dinosaurs are alive in the days when Noah was alive. If
1: I they think... weren't, they would have had a yeah? prototype. So what? Both- it's just a strange question but basically <laughs> just was listening to a podcast where they were explaining how that it wouldn't have been able to take a dinosaur into the ark because there weren't the first there weren't any traces of them being available at the time because they came from crustaceans or something crustaceans. but i'm sure that this these are the kind of questions that we're going through our kids mind mm-hmm. and sometimes we parents because of our spirituality we might Fail to address this point, this silly, tiny, how can this be? Questions, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a very good one. Thank you for spotlighting that. Um, uh, To further complicate that, in the manner of speaking, is to put in the context of the fact that if we want to, at least as far as I think um, archaeology has gone, the bible timeline the story of the bible basically if you want to go as far back as adam the first man you'll probably be going around six thousand years to the past Um, but if you're talking about dinosaurs we are talking of animals that are supposedly they've lived like some of them tens of thousands of years some of them hundreds of thousands of years some of them millions of years ago and then the question comes, okay, when exactly was the beginning? When the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so when he created Adam, was it that that was far down the line, past the days of the dinosaurs? And, you know, that's just to further put things in a little bit more light and more complications. But yeah, any other volunteers? All right. So mine
2: will be um, the crossing of the Red Sea. mm Mm. now scientifically let's look at um, the crossing god dividing the red sea Mm -hmm. now if there is a pool Mm -hmm. and water fills the pool and you want to cross over to the other side Mm -hmm. and there's no other way Mm -hmm. so did you descend into the pool and then ascend it out so (laughs) was it that god also made the ground to shift up so that it will be leveled to the point where they could just um walk through it
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and it, the bible also says in a manner in a manner of speaking they were baptized um into the i don't know i i, I can't really recover i think there was a scripture that was saying something like that so my, my question is now that yes there's even a bigger miracle apart from the fact that the red sea was divided mm-hmm. how did they cross? did they have to descend down and then ascended out <laughs> how did it even happen actually <laughs> I, like, I like that that's a good one yeah, so so that's so that's that's so that's one of those um wonders seven wonders of the bible i have <laughs> Thank, Thank you very much. Um, I, I, this
0: is not to attempt to answer it, but the way, I, I mean, of course, it's puzzling in and of itself that even a sea will split into two and people can walk on dry ground. Um, but I think, I, I don't have much of an issue with the part that you've just described, because I imagine that if you go to a beach, uh, you start from the shallow end, and then the more you go, then the deeper it becomes. So it almost feels like, yeah, if God dries it and separates it, they are just going gradually and then descend and come out on the other side. It's I don't know. It's in my secondary school mind. It doesn't look too too mm-hmm. ambiguous, but I I understand, and I'm not illegitimizing your your puzzle <laughs> in that sense. Any other volunteers? Um, Dylan.
3: I don't really have any questions. Okay. Maybe. I could basically just say what
0: Okay,
3: I, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, Auntie Anu said about the Ark. Yeah, since she did mention it, I find that strange how you fit all those animals into a big boat. How all that was possible.
2: <laughs> that's, that's right. Maybe that's it. Yeah, thank you. I
0: think that's, that's that's yeah, a major puzzle for me as well. And for one man and his family, perhaps, to have built something like that, it's just unthinkable. Um, there is a place in the US where there is a prototype of Noah's Ark. And I know that it's involved, I don't know how many people, but with hundreds or thousands of people were involved in the project and took them years to do (laughs) so to think of one family to have been able to construct such a massive ark that could contain literally all the species of animals I mean it's just yeah another thing that is out there thank you very much for that I think we'll transition now into listening to the first part of the clip. Um, I should mention I heard that into this video, um, there are about three stories that I can recall at the top of my head. Again, we might not be able to get through all three. The first has to do with miracles in the Bible, and just as we've pointed out a few of those how could this happen kind of things that people believe today like with all of the laws that we know the laws of nature the laws of science the law of gravity and whatever how can water turn to wine how can jesus walk on the water how can and many other filling the gaps how can his sea be split in two for people to walk on dry ground how can one man and his family construct a huge a huge boat? that would fit in all the animals. Um, How can, I don't know, um, where do we place dinosaurs on the biblical timeline if indeed Adam was just like 6,000 years ago and dinosaurs were supposed to be, I don't know, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years into the past. So those are the kind of questions and puzzles that we have. And the first question is about, or the first story um, it's about someone that has such questions. Um, There's a story about a lady that's attempted to evangelize in class. Um, I think she's a college-age student or maybe middle school, as they call it in the United States. That would be like secondary school slash A-levels, what they call colleges, what most other people will call university um, in other parts of the world. But in any case, she tried evangelizing and got embarrassed to the point where all of our classmates were laughing at her and things like that, calling her names. And she just was really, really embarrassed and couldn't speak up in defense of what she was trying to evangelize about. And the last one is about someone whose dad um, was not um, a born again was not a believer she was a believer her dad wasn't Um, and living in that kind of tension when you're supposed to honor your father and your mother but your dad is not into all these you going to youth meetings and stuff like that and always giving you times to be back at home and things like that and you're saying no I think I need to honor God and go to that meeting attend that prayer meeting and things like that How do you navigate that? Of course, all of these things don't comprehensively cover all there is to cover about the issue of science and um, Christianity. But I think it can give us a good conversation starter. I'll stop talking, shift to the video, and let's watch the first story and the reflection that comes after that. Then we'll take a pause and reflect on that. As you're listening to both the guy that's is given this narrative and then the reflection from Matt Matt Chandler afterwards. If there is anything that comes to your mind, maybe some other questions that come from that, note them down so that when we come back together after the few minutes of the video, we can reflect on that together. Um, Here we go.
4: If you can't prove something scientifically or through reason, then can it possibly be true? Like the miracles in the Bible, did they really happen? In this session, Matt Chandler will show us that the Bible and science really aren't at odds with each other, and that having faith doesn't mean you have to blindly accept things. We can have a reasonable faith. We'll hear the struggles of students who are trying to defend their faith but face strong opposition. Let's listen to Gabe's story.
5: I really love science. It's really a passion, it's just so interesting to me. But it feels like it contradicts the Bible and God in everything it does. With all the science that I go through, that I listen to, that I learn, that I love, it it gets hard to actually believe and have faith in God and God's Word. The Bible is hard for me to read because of the inaccuracy of science, you know. when I see these miracles happening or when I read about them you know the different miracles like the loaves and the fish and you know parting the Red Sea all these different things just didn't seem too credible to me it's hard for me to have faith and believe that it really happened and then that would that would cause me to hesitate to even pick up my Bible you know and just making me think like if I pick this up and read it you know what crazy story am I going to read next I couldn't you know clarify what was real and what was not real. And if what was written in the Bible wasn't real, then that would mean God's word is not real. And then that would mean that God might not be real. And that was a big struggle for me. I feel like defending Christianity is a hard thing to do because of that science has verifiable facts and you know, Christianity is based on faith. A lot of my friends, you know, I'm in honors and AP classes. A lot of them may be atheists or have other religions and I hesitate telling my ideas because of the fear that they might know more than me and they actually might you know get me to fumble on my words and not know what to say and uh, a lot of things with a lot of my science friends are atheists and it's really hard to talk to them because they can show me facts upon facts upon facts to get me to quiet down and it happens quite often being such a studious person I've wanted to like know more and take notes and write down facts and anything that I could you know have to know about God it's just, it's just something really hard to do because of the contradictions between science and God.
6: Gabe's story is actually not an unusual one at all, in fact it happens to most high school students and, and then I, I mean I don't want to scare anybody but it actually gets worse in college uh, there's far more hostility towards what we believe in a college setting particularly a liberal arts college setting than there is on a high school campus or junior high campus but, but needless to say this is a really important uh, question that Gabe's wrestling with because it's one that you're going to find hits you in almost every one of your science classes now um, I, I want to be really honest uh, upfront that there will always be a bit of mystery and faith in regards to our relationship with God now Saying that does not mean that we have a blind faith. And, and what I mean by that is Christianity is historically rooted and, and isn't a blind faith at all. And what I mean by that is we're not crossing our fingers and hoping we're right. Uh, our uh, belief in Jesus Christ, activated by the Holy Spirit, is, is also very much an act of reason. Uh, and that God wants us to love Him, not just with emotion and not just with our guts, but actually with our mind. In fact, it's a command in the Bible that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. Um, And so I I wanna just lay before you that I do not believe that science and faith are at odds with one another. In fact, I believe they're far more similar than anyone wants to actually uh, be honest about. So I wanna try to be honest with you that faith and science have a lot in common. Um, First of all, let, let me just address Address miracles Uh, because usually the argument coming from science is that science has somehow disproved. Miracles. Now, l- let me let me do this. Let, m- let me start with why I'm convinced that the miracles in the Bible actually happened. Uh, I-, I don't want to start with the parting of the Red Sea or uh, water turning into wine. For me, it starts with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if God can resurrect Jesus Christ from the dead, then the rest of the miracles come in view as being easy for the God of the universe. So let me try to explain why I passionately believe that I can, with reason and intellect, argue the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the first century, right after Jesus was resurrected and then ascended into heaven, the argument around the resurrection of Christ wasn't an argument of faith but actually an argument of eyewitness. So if we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one of the things that the Apostle Paul is going to argue there is that he had seen Christ resurrected and not only had he seen Christ but 500 other people, although some of those had fallen asleep, that, that reference to falling asleep in 1 Corinthians 15 is some of those 500 are, are now dead but most of whom are still alive. That they can go ask them about the resurrection, that we have seen this with our own eyes. So the, the argument about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was not an argument based on faith. Hey, trust me here, guys, but rather not only have I seen him, but also 500 other people have seen him. You can go ask them. So if we're just talking intellect here and not blind faith, if we were in a court of law, you and I, and I had 500 eyewitnesses, of an event that testified that this event did occur and those 500 were willing to lose their life over it, willing to lose their possessions over it, willing to be thrown into prison on the word of their testimony, willing to be killed on the word of the testimony. A court of law, even in this day and age, would overwhelmingly rule that this event actually happened. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is testified in the first century by eyewitnesses, not by blind acts of faith. And then what you have following that is the testimony of those who walked with those eyewitnesses. And so if God can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, then the rest of the miracles in scripture uh, are much easier to go, well, of course he can do those things. Now, if we step away from really the biblical arguments, if we step away from the fact that in the scriptures themselves say that this is what happened, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that the Red Sea parted and they crossed on dry land, that water was turned into wine. And and we step outside of a literal translation of the Bible, even the claim by anyone who wants to land on the side of science over faith it is really making a claim that they simply can't make by the rules of science itself. So, so let me try to explain that because I feel like it's thick and, and a bit convoluted. Um, The scientists make declarations of truth based around a scientific theory. So they see something occur in nature, they create a theory about, or a hypothesis about how that occurs, and they set out to see if they're right. And if they're right, that can be duplicated over and over and over again. And so if we take boiling water, At some point, someone noticed that at a certain temperature, at a certain degree, water began to boil. So there was a theory that, okay, the heat is making the water boil, and so they began to actively test out how hot water has to get before it boils. But there's a natural cause for the water boiling. Now, a miracle by definition is outside of natural causes. So there is no natural cause that's gonna make the Red Sea part. There is no natural cause that turns water into wine. By definition of miracle, there is no natural cause that creates the miracle. Something's occurring outside of natural law that makes that occur.
0: Does that bring any perspective? Was that helpful? Was that even more complicating? Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to get a vibe of what's going on in our minds um, vis-a-vis the subjects before us.
1: It's a bit of clarification in the sense that it's asking us to move from those questions Mm -hmm. to one question, which is, how can Jesus be crucified and how could he have risen again? Mm -hmm. So if we were able to say yes, if we are able to factually say he did, do that uh-huh. and the lesser miracles and the things we're still arguing about uh-huh. won't be too much for him who we'll resurrected we'll to resurrect so have done because yeah. if he's truly God then the red seeded part whether they had to grow under like Rodham Lai was saying, so, you know whether the land fills <laughs> up and it works on it it happened and, and and I think this is why um god in the old testament and I, I read it in the new testament as well why kept telling the Israelites to keep telling their kids the stories over and over so that they don't forget it because oh. imagine without tv no social media you can't just post on your facebook oh, like this is what i this is what i've seen i will know but the more story travel from i think i don't know the more they travel even within a day the the variation you get in the in the story of the that's right. the more it loses its authenticis- authenticity, authenticity,
0: yeah. originality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I think the reason we don't have the details on how like the animals that went into the ark or the actual what happened during the Red Sea, out the wave, maybe the waves parted and the the dry land was already there. Maybe that's why we don't have the core details, but. If we believe in the reason Jesus and mm. we believe in his power to do all those things.
0: Thank you very much. That's that's an helpful way to further <clears throat> articulate it. Um, any other person want to share? Maybe a question that came up in listening to that or an answer that you got for a question you've had, so to speak. Go on, damn Larry. <laughs> you saw me on mute. Yeah, I was so, asking for you. So since you were one of those that commented before we listened to the video, now let's listen to your thoughts afterwards. Yeah.
3: Yes, it's interesting. Thank you, sir. It's interesting that that was the first example that you mentioned, parting of the Red Sea, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the question I would have, I would that came up as a follow up to some of the things that he was sharing was that. <laughs> does intellectualism um, or reason, Mm -hmm. does it complement or conflict with our faith?
2: Mm.
3: Because like the example of the college student was given that he Mm -hmm. he is in a kind of class where many of his classmates are... Atheists. Yes, are atheists. They don't even believe in God. And he's having that pool to share with them, but he's not so confident about his ability to do that. Mm-hmm. So at that point, are we to submit ourselves to the intellectualism level of somebody like um, Ravi Zacharias? Or do we go for um the faith and power system of um what's the name of this man? This um life lifestyle Christianity. I've forgotten his name just now. Uh, he's is like he's like a power witness um person. Okay. that you know he can just approach you and then the Holy Spirit will minister to him things mm-hmm. very personal about you and mm-hmm. then he'll tell you this oh this and, and he'll pray for you and you'll see the miracle instantly like mm-hmm. you won't even have to <laughs> you yourself you will believe that so there's so there's the pull between the two mm-hmm. that is it Are we? are we are we because one way or the other God loves those guys that are that are a little bit confused about or not so clear or want more verifiable facts for them to actually come to embrace the truth mm. and I also want the fact that uh, uh, the fact that um the the author brought us to the centrality of Christ because the word of God is mm. one of the basis of why we even believe yeah. Christ so if Everything can be drawn to that. Um, let's come back to who and why the word was written Nabi. In the beginning, it was the word of God, and the word was God. So Christ mm-hmm. is actually the, the baseline mm-hmm. for everything we believe in. is mm-hmm. the word of God. So if we can believe that he actually resurrected, not just based on
0: those extra hassles.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful thoughts. And just to further consolidate that point that he was making, um, because if I were to be an atheist, and thank God I'm not, but if I, if I were to be one, my counter-argument to that point would be that, yeah, you can come and tell me that and quote 1 Corinthians 15, but in the first instance, I don't even believe that book. I don't believe the authority of the book you're quoting from. Um, and that's that's where I then thought to hide the fact that the the case when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not just um, the sources that we have. is not just the Bible. There were many people that were writing prolifically in the first century that had nothing to do with the Christianity itself, but they were also, as it were, validating many of the claims that we have in 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 the Bible. Um, one of the most notable ones would be a man by the name Josephus. Josephus is just um, a Jewish scholar that wrote loads, and many of his books, so to speak, as it were, are still being read today. Um, He's not writing, quote-unquote, in defense of Christianity. He himself is not writing from that perspective. But there were very many of um, the things he wrote about that were just a matter of by narrating history, he's talking about Pilate, he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about um, the people of the way that we saw as the church was spreading in the book of Acts and things like that. And he's not talking, as it were, uh, in a way to support it's just like a secular writer that is writing about what is happening in town. Um, but very many of the things he's saying that is happening in town, uh, you find them again and again um, confirming what we have in scripture. So when Matt Chandler is citing this First Corinthians passage where Paul is pointing us back to these 500 witnesses. I'm saying it's not even just only those 500 witnesses because you could question that. Where are the 500? You are only talking about some 500 people because Paul said so. And of course, Paul will say so because it's part of this cult <laughs> or whatever that is. Uh, but there are many other sources outside of the Bible um, in the first century that also validates that. So I just thought so to so add that layer to it. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts, any other questions before maybe we'll take one more um, in that video.
7: I just like the I like the part they ended with with the with the fact that um, science,
2: mm-hmm.
7: they always have to test, yeah, to get yeah. a fact.
2: Yeah.
7: Um, anything we want to do is either you carry out a survey or suddenly it happens and you just say, oh, this thing happens, let me see how it happens. So mm-hmm. there's always a test to it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a miracle, there's no test to it. There's no, it, it's, no, it's there's no mm-hmm. n- nature, how did you, like, I forgot the way he said natural it. Natural causes. Yeah, there's no natural cause. So mm-hmm. it's a mystery mm-hmm. and that's the beauty, mm-hmm. that's the intimacy. So I just love that part the way he said, and it's something to take and also use that to um, to speak about it when I, when someone asks us about mm. such thing. Yeah, mm. it's so it's explanatory, like yeah, clear. Kind of. <laughs>
0: thank you, thank yeah. you for, very much for that. Um, yeah, as, as I was listening to that, I don't know, I, I think I have a very funny mind, but I literally could remember what we were taught in my first year in secondary school, first year in high school, about the scientific process. And our teacher then gave us six things. And those six things came back to me as though I just read them today, that scientists observe, they hypothesize, they experimentize, they record, they classify, and then they conclude. In other words, they start observing, oh, that's, this is happening, and then they make an up- hypothesis. Hypothesis is basically just a guess that maybe this is what is happening by what we can observe. And then they ex- make experiments, they experimentize to confirm their hypothesis or disprove their hypothesis. And then they record their results. And from what they are recording, by the time they look at it, they start making some classifications. Okay, maybe this belongs here and that belongs there. And at the end of the day, they're able to conclude with a theory um, in that sense. Uh, that's, Thank that's you, there. sir. <laughs> Thank you, too.
7: <laughs> because most times when you do like projects in school, yeah. most of our dissertation and things, and you read all these um, like other people dissertation, like PM, mm-hmm. all these journals and all that, Mm-hmm. you see that everything is based on the final result is based on some experts coming together to make the decision yeah. and you realize that sometimes you find out these things are used to, and that's the beauty that's what they want to see in school to even give you more marks they mm-hmm. want you to argue that what they have said is nonsense and why you think it's nonsense mm-hmm. and why you think okay you believe what they have said
8: mm-hmm.
0: so
7: it's just that's,
0: uh, critical analysis <laughs> well done um, any other thoughts before we maybe take on the case of the that tried evangelizing and got embarrassed
9: it was third period um, we had just walked in class had just started and um, I had known this kid, and so I was going to try to share the gospel with him. So he sits right behind me, and I turned around and I was like, hey, I wanna talk to you about something. He's like, okay, bring it on. And so I was like, so, have you ever heard of the gospel? And he was like, oh, I don't believe in that garbage. I was like, well, why not? And he's like, because everyone who believes in that is stupid, and I was like, no, not really. And he was like, oh, so you're trying to share it with me now? And I was like, yeah, cause I know that you don't really, I mean, I've heard that you don't do the right things and I'm just trying to help you. And then he stood up and he was like, why are you being so stupid? He's like, how can you believe the lies? And I said, what lies are you talking about? I mean, it says perfectly in the Bible that these aren't lies. Like it's, this isn't stupid. The kid just got up and he started calling me name after name. He was cursing at me. He was calling me a prude. He was calling me a hypocrite. He was calling me judgmental. He was making me feel awful about myself. And I felt like nobody was there to help me. Like, even my friends were in the, that were in the class were laughing at me. They didn't even stand up to help me. I just felt awful. Like, I hated being, calling the, being called those names. So I just sat there and I felt defenseless and alone. And I just, sat there and I didn't say anything the rest of the class while people still snickered after the teacher finally called, calmed them down. And I just sat there and after class he was like, yeah, you can't say anything now. And that's when I was like, okay, I just shouldn't have said anything. This is not, like I shouldn't ever try to do this again. I definitely did not feel prepared um, because he asked for proof and I didn't know what to say. My mind totally went blank and I was completely helpless. My heart was hurting because I was being called all these names. I definitely felt that that's probably how every time was going to be if I shared the gospel.
6: One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in John 10.10, because in John 10.10, you get these kind of two divergent paths laid out before all of mankind. And in John 10.10, the Bible says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, the reason I love that text is because regardless of what the world thinks about me, what Jesus has just said is that when I make commands, when I lay before you a way of living, I am leading you to the fullness of life and joy. So that when God makes commands about sex, which I know our cultures view of sex and the Christian view of sex are in different universes and and when our God makes commands about alcohol and drugs and and when God lays those commands on us, the world is oftentimes going to mock and make fun of us. They made fun of Jesus and mocked Him. They made fun of the apostles, mocked them, and even killed some of them. And so it's not a new thing here with Ashley, and I know in my own life, with other people, it's not uncommon for us to feel foolish foolish and ill-equipped to share the Gospel with people in a way that they are hungry for it and believe it and ask more questions about it. And more times than not, we just feel foolish and powerless and, and the reason i wanted to start with john 10:10 there is because really when we line ourselves up with how god has asked us to live the bible promises us that we'll be a light in the darkness that, that we will be like a little candle in the middle of a sea of darkness and that people will be drawn to that and what i want to lay before you is that that when all said and done it's god and god alone that saves and so what we need to do more than we need to be um, great apologists more than we need to understand every religion in the world and more than we need to understand all the answers to everybody's question is we need to perpetually lay before people the work of jesus christ in his life death and resurrection and we need to live lives of obedience that draw men and women young men and young women to the message of hope that's found in Christ and in Christ alone. And so I want to be honest with you. There are going to be people that make it their aim and their goal to make you feel foolish, to make you feel stupid, to make you feel ignorant, to make you feel like you don't have a clue. And what I want you to do is cling fast to the person and work of Jesus Christ and continue to herald. The good news about Jesus. Jesus even told his disciples that they would go into cities where the entire city, the entire town would reject them, and he told them to wipe the dust off their feet and to turn that town over to God. And so, preach the gospel to anyone who will listen and trust God with the results. It's God and God alone who could save. I want to take that burden off of you to be the one that saves people you you can't the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to those who are being saved it's the aroma of life and so i want you to put your hope in the holy spirit's power to convert and not on your power to convince
8: okay Again, (laughs) any thoughts on that? Uh,
0: By the way, like, has anybody experienced, maybe not exactly the kind of stuff the lady described, but an attempt to evangelize that did not go well, that you would like to share about. You tried reaching out to someone about the gospel, and it just didn't go as you hoped that it would go. Um, It would be nice to actually hear a couple other versions of what that could look like. And then, of course, general comments about the video, about the lady situation, and the response that Matt gives to that. I know, go for it.
1: I have actually experienced the rejection. Okay. The mean look on their faces that scares me away. Like as you're approaching them, when I was in Nigeria, those aunties, as you're approaching them, the way they look at you up and down, as (laughs) (laughs) though with a big skirt and everything. I would just turn as I'm not going to their area, I'm going somewhere else and so go away. Like I find it easier to preach to like homeless, people that look homeless, people I know I have a certain bit of control over, so to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the the girl was quite bold. She mm-hmm. saw a guy misbehaving and felt she knows something that would be able to help him. As she came, she took the gospel based on that problem, not just like she addressed the problem she has seen, which is, mm-hmm. which I'm, a, as an aside, which I'm learning is a, is a, is a very good evangelical tool.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's very, very, very wise. I'll hand over to Stephen.
2: Thank you, Stephen.
1: The
8: okay, the first one will be back then in Nigeria when I was like trying to do, you know, in, in Futa, there was this, um, okay, I think most schools like, you yeah, are been told to do morning cry, like just to regularize, and also, you know, very early in the morning, you move around and start sharing the gospel of the Lord and, and, and you're up at home, because, so for me, those this morning, I was passing through one area of, of, of school, and around five or six a.m., I, I didn't expect people to be awake, at least they shouldn't be outside at that time. Then there'll be the older man. <laughs> of the house and you know like she shouted the way she shouted on me I was very scared, so I had to just come back and use the different <laughs> room I, I, I wasn't expecting this so it was really very ugly then so that was the second one. Then the second one would be you know in Turkey where um it's a, it's a region where you know there's a mixture of a lot of you know the west and the east, so you get to hear about a lot of things. So an average, folk has at least some knowledge to, about Christianity, about Muslim Islam, about you know, in the, like, they, they know a lot. So it would be that you know certain Christians, the for example. It's not everybody that is aware, that is aware of um, the number of children that uh, Abraham had. So if you are trying to engage probably an avid Turk and is trying to tell you that, oh, um, do you know how many children um, Abraham had? And you have no clue. So it can be very embarrassing. And you're like, no, he had one. He had, he had one. Like, no, 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 go ahead and read your Bible. He has like. Five, five, six, five. Oh it, it can be,
2: can be. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for those two
0: experiences that what we can definitely relate with. Um Gou, over to you.
4: Good evening everyone again.
2: Evening. Okay,
4: so my experience not really rejecting actually. I think I was sharing in the bus, a few weeks ago, sharing the gospel, and then there was a woman sitting at, I think, at my back. But I could see, maybe from my reaction from the um, driver's um, mirror, that she was just not receptive and all that. So I finished sharing and all that. So I, I don't know if she was telling me to give, uh, give her give money or something, but she still provoked me. And normally, I was, I wanted to vent and be annoyed and. I, I, I just been sharing the news, the, the gospel. So I had to calm down and, and, and behave myself, you know. And then the, I think that's the bad part, anyway. There was a guy who was even sharing the gospel. And then that was, he was, he was, I think he was playing music or was just being very talkative all through the journey, just yeah. engaging. Um, of course, he should collect money and all that. But he was just not listening and all that. So uh, but I gave him money for my t fair and then. When we got to the bus stop, he gave my money back. I was surprised. <laughs> he said, "Thank you for sharing." So I was like, in my mind, I thought this guy wasn't listening. He wasn't. Why? Why is he returning my money back to me and all that? You know. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I I felt encouraged, anyway. But mm-hmm. I feel that for the gospel, for me, the focal point was like, well, I, I don't know towards them. Just just was, um, Jesus, Jesus, was say that um. No man can come to him as, except God draws draws the person. So I feel that our own part is that we should just do the work of planting, you know.
6: Oftentimes,
4: um, people get saved probably during a, a lot of efforts culminates to that salvation. It That's could right. be maybe reading a, a blog post, um, a flyer, the preacher on radio, the preacher on TV. Somehow, someday, those seeds will grow. But if you, are, if you are maybe shy or because of rejection, we don't... Plant those seed, uh it will be a fault on our, on our own end. So I put a God report the name of Jesus. So I, I, I think I just stop there, sharp. Yeah,
0: man. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very, very helpful example um, and and testimony as well. Okay, Sister Efe, before I make my comments.
7: I just thought about one of my flatmates
6: mm-hmm.
7: um, around 2017, I think, and I was talking to him about. Um, gods were just chisting in the house and he was like how can I worship a jealous god and mm. he just hits me like how can I <laughs> then I, I, I thought I, I had to just pause like okay why is god actually jealous <laughs> then I thought about it and then I told him I said because he's a loving father so he doesn't want you to serve someone else, yeah? You should mm. serve him alone because he created you, yeah? So I, I just said it one way like that. It was like, that doesn't still make sense to him. He doesn't think a God that is powerful, he has it all. Mm. Why should he then be jealous? Mm. So because of that, he doesn't think you can serve God.
0: Mm. That's, that's an interesting one. You'll be surprised that the one-liners that different people hold on to and that they pull out when someone wants to you know um, reach out to them with the gospel but i I really like the example excuse me um that's that um brush gave um i think sometimes we get we seem to have an ideal picture of evangelism in our mind which is the kind where you approach someone you tell them, "Can I share the gospel with you?" And then you speak with them for some few minutes, and they're perfectly receptive. And uh, can I pray for you? And you lead them in the sinner's prayer, and you come back and shout, "Yes, I want someone to crash today." Um, and that's not impossible uh, scenario to play out. That would happen sometimes. Um, but I think that the the understanding we must have on the one hand is one, and I think this is also part of what Matt Chandler is saying. The chief actor in evangelism, or you could use the word mission, is God himself, Um, is is the one at work. It's by privilege that we get to join him in that work. When he says we are his um, workmanship, so that we could do the things he has destined for us to do from the beginning. We come alongside him, or he comes alongside us, and vice versa. He walks through us to accomplish his his eternal purposes. But even in that sense, what that would look like when it comes to evangelizing would be different in different contexts. Sometimes it would just look like you're living your life and someone sees that there is something different about you. And at the right time of seeing that again and again and again, a conversation would end. So a conversation that may not lead to the sinner's prayer, but a seed again has been sown. And some other times that might look like a demonstration of power, um, like Brother Larry was saying, God gives you a word of knowledge about someone. Um, uh, that's that's a case I have personally experienced, for instance. Um, uh, and that would be one of the most memorable <laughs> evangelistic attempts of my life. I was just minding my business. I was in the university um, for my, during my first degree days in OAU. And I was just praying in broad daylight on a very sunny and windy afternoon. Um, and I used to pray very funny. Um, I, like when I go to the place of prayer, I don't have any prepared prayer points. And so I just wait on the spirit to determine what the prayer session would look like. And on this particular day, because it was windy, the style, the formula that I believe God laid on my heart, and maybe it was me that came up with the crazy idea, was to place my Bible on the floor. And then the wind will blow. Prrr, And whenever the wind blows the pages and the wind subsides, I pick the Bible up, look for any verse 13 on that particular page, read it, and then pray whatever prayer points that I can get from it um, into my life. And I was doing that, and I felt I was going to do that 13 times, so 13 prayer points ends the verse 13 I was reading. And maybe the last one or the second to the last one or something, I prayed, I, I mean, the wind blew, I picked up the verse, I read it. I can't remember which reference of the Bible that is now, but it's something about giving. Um, it's something about yeah, giving back to God, generosity and all that. But as I picked the Bible and I was about to read that verse, I felt like God said, This one that you're about to read is not for you, it's for a lady inside the den. So the den for those in oh, you would know, I was praying in Mimble in in the sports complex. But where this word of knowledge is coming from, I need to first of all climb back to the balcony and actually see if there's anybody in that particular place. So it's not like I've sent the person, but God is saying there's a lady that is at so-so-so and so place that is presently lying down there praying. This verse is for her. So go to her and minister this verse to her. That was the most <coughs> most unthinkable thing ever for me as of that time, like, uh, and I I... I kept playing the drama in my head, like, okay, what would then happen? So, of course, now I climbed up, I could see her, I could see that indeed there's a lady there, she's lying down, looks like she's sleeping, Uh, will I go up and tap her and say, hello, wake up, wake up, wake up, Angel, Gabriel is here with a message, (laughs) what would that actually look like? So, I put the whole instruction, by the way, and continued the prayer um, for myself. And then just about the time I prayed the last prayer point for myself, and then the ready to kind of woke up and packed her bags, and she was about to leave. And I knew it's either now or never. And so I gradually walked towards the entrance to the den as she was coming from the lawn tennis courts to also um, meet at the entrance. And then I met her. And I don't know where the words came from, but I mumbled the courage and said, Can I speak with you for a minute? As I was praying over there, I felt like God just wanted me to share the scripture with you, and I shared the scripture with her, and um, yeah, and that was it. I mean, in the first instance, anybody that will come into the den to pray by implication is a Christian already. It's not like the person is unsaved, and so when I shared the message, she broke down into tears, and I was like, okay, so what do you do next, now? <laughs> and I was waiting on the spirit for more and more instruction but it, it turned out that she actually came to that den to pray um, or to cry really because she had literally just seen a result and she failed and that was like maybe her fourth failure um, in the space of I don't know one or two weeks which means she's repeating the whole year and having an extra year and her GP is nothing to write home about and she's just overwhelmed about the whole thing. And when she began to share that, then I began to see this, the tangents to what God was saying by the scripture he gave me to go and say to her to say, uh, this might be counter but I believe God is saying, give me some time, be generous, spend some time with me. Um, And you would see how will make sense of your life. Of course, um, on and off till she left OAU, I think once in a while she would reach out to say hello and all that. I knew she eventually got over the whole saga and she went through she graduated she did well at the end of the day and and that was because she responded to that word of knowledge basically so sometimes it would it would look like that it would look like god giving you a word for someone and with a kairos moment an opportunity that you just know this moment is pregnant with this opportunity is either I do it, god gets I don't and you know any other thing happens and of course there have been other times that I would do that the same scenario and get embarrassed for doing it and I I remember someone talking back and say "Eh, eh, 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 don't give me that rubbish (laughs) they've come again all these brothers (laughs) that will be seeing vision I am I am a prophet to myself don't come and tell me anything from God (laughs) and of course yeah I I gladly just shrugged that off and went on. I felt bad for it for quite maybe a couple of days or something, but you get over it. Once you know that it's not about you, it's about the one that is sending you, the one that has sent us all to go into the world and make disciples of, of nations. Sorry, I've ranted for too long. But yeah, hopefully that there's something helpful somewhere in there. Any other thoughts um, now, not just about our experiences, but maybe from the video as well, um, something that stands out, a thought, a principle, um, as we begin to land tonight's conversation uh, that we could take with us. Neto, go Hi. on. Hi. Neto. Good
10: evening, sir. Good evening. So um, what I learned um, is this, when someone asks me I should prove that, God exists. Yeah. I'll simply tell them, okay, prove to me that God doesn't exist as well. Mm. So if you can't prove that to me, then I'm sorry, God exists. So <laughs> yeah. You might say it's science, but well, okay, who created those that created science and all of that. So yeah, so that's just a simple way I just used to counter them as well. And then I like the fact that the man said that you don't have to um convince them it's not your job to do that it's the holy spirit's job your, your, your work is just to speak to them sometimes you might do the speaking it might not do anything but someone else might come and do the watering, and then mm-hmm. so everybody have their own jobs
3: yeah, that's right
10: to do in the life of everyone when it comes to um, evangelizing yeah so yeah that's what that's my take on it thank you
0: Thank you very much. Very, very, very helpful. Very helpful. Um, Just before we pray, um, I think a concluding thought from me would be to to just spotlight the fact that we are going to face more and more and more of these kind of issues, um, especially the more secularized our world become, uh, especially for those of us living in the West. It's there is going to be more and more assaults on Christianity and by extension on Christians. um, And that would mean that we should be prepared to be persecuted, be prepared to suffer, quote unquote, um, for what you believe, uh, but at the same time, be prepared to do what we are meant to be doing anyway, which is just to shine our light um, in the midst of a very, very dark world. Um that said, I think one other thing that would be very instructive and helpful for us is to maintain the posture of a student. And so if someone says something that, okay, someone asks you, why is your God jealous? <laughs> uh, and indeed, maybe at the moment you don't have a response, then I would expect that you would take that up and be like, okay, how do I process this? What would be a better way to respond to this if I'm encountering that question again um, from some other angles and things like that. Um, and that kind of study can look like different things. I think it's always helpful when there are multiple voices speaking into issues like that and brainstorming about it together. So God of a platform like this where you can bring something like that up and let's let's talk about it, let's reason about it together. Um, But that's openness to want to learn, basically, that's what I'm emphasizing here. You won't have all the answers and you won't have all the perfect answers or convincing answers. In fact, maybe there are no convincing perfect answers. Um, But again, it's always good to, I see those kind of questions as learning triggers, basically like "Mm, okay that's that's an interesting thing okay Uh, what's what's there for me to lean into what's the what's the juice that is there for me to squeeze out Uh, what can that even help me to learn about god that would make me want to you know fall in love even more Um, and and then an outflow of that will come out in my evangelistic efforts um, in my own sphere of influence but all that to go back to where we started from that science it's not contradicting God or Christianity or anything. Um, I've sat in a lecture where my professor took us back to how everything began and said everything started from CH4. Okay, if everything started from the chemical compound, CH4, my one is the C and the H that is four. <laughs> where did they come from? <laughs> <laughs> At least they did not. They did not come from nothing, (laughs) as it were. The CH4 is not eternal. Um, There must be a beginning. Um, And before your Big Bang theory and everything that the man, you know, went on to say and all that. um, But yeah, sitting and hearing all those facts and evolution and all these different theories, and there will be more and more of such theories in times to come. But let those things become learning triggers. Let them drive you further to want to um, know why you still believe what you believe. Um, It's very important to so that we'll not be driven away by any and every wind of of doctrine. Um, Yeah, one minute to to when we should finish. But I thought to just share this one last thing I was sharing with my wife yesterday. Uh, I was at a seminar and then um, just yesterday, uh, a postgraduate research seminar, and there was this Cambridge professor that was presenting. And I mean, all along, I've always understood the doctrine of original sin. Uh, in other words, uh, some will use words like the utter depravity of the human nature. Everybody is born with a nature that is sinful, the Adamic nature, all those things that Paul was talking about in the book of Romans. But here is a professor that is trying to explain all of that as. I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm still processing the old seminar in my head, even days after, I mean, going to two days after I heard it. But trying to basically say that we are not that bad in a manner of speaking. At least that's 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 how I was hearing it. Um, and that people's sane condition um is more, you can just think of it as you would think of people's medical condition, um, the same way someone is that is um suffering from depression is not his fault or it's not our fault Uh, and there needs to be some voluntariness to i mean just all manner of principles and thoughts and suggestions and propositions and i was just there and i was just wondering okay 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 just keep turning the bible (laughs) upside down inside out and all of that and you see very more knowledgeable people than you nodding along and asking questions and brainstorming um uh, but yeah, when people then bring in this whole science thing into the study of God's word in a very scientific and philosophical manner that is devoid of the spirit, that's another challenge that some of us would also have to, to wrestle with. And that's not to say that everything the person said, there is nothing to take away from it. But it just means that at least I know that I have a rooted um. A firm roots, as it were, uh, to that 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 is able to help me then begin to process this kind of thoughts without being uprooted from where I'm rooted in, and that can only come from a personal, intentional, consistent exposure to God's word, and that's what I that will leave us with. Take the Bible as your personal resource material, a love letter from your Father to you that you want to read again and again. Um, and read it in different ways, and read it from different perspectives. Uh, anytime I'm writing a book, one of the things I do is read different parts of it in different places. Uh, read it in the toilet. Does this chapter sound right? Because I know there's someone that is going to read this book that will be sitting on the toilet when he's reading this chapter. How does it feel like reading it in the toilet? Okay, how does it feel like reading it on the bus? How does it feel like reading it in the kitchen? <laughs> this might sound funny, but I, I literally do this. Uh, read on the road uh, and, and just kind of get a vibe of, okay, what does it what does feel like with all these distractions going on around? Um, read the Bible like that. Read the Bible like you know it's meant for you because it is, um, and that the words therein are inspired because they are, and then see what he, how those words can begin to shape your life to increasing degrees of Christ-likeness. And the joy that comes from that, oh, my world, knows no bound. I'll leave it with us uh, on that point, And then we just say a word of prayer together as we close.
3: Father, we thank you because,
0: because you're big, you're deep. And to be candid, you're incomprehensible. The mere fact that we could claim to know you is only because you've intentionally come down so much to our level, to the point where we can begin to feel like we know you. And the more we know you, the more we know we don't know you enough. And we thank you for how that chase, that pursuit continues. We're just asking that you will bring us individually to a point where we can enter into that endless cycle of pursuing the one who is pursuing us. In other words, wanting to lay hold on the one who has laid hold on us, wanting to know the one who knows us deeply and intimately. This endless pursuit of knowing you that makes us Confront our ignorance, our ever growing ignorance about you in a way that results in praise, in adoration, in wonder, in oh my world, in wow, there's this other side to you. We're just asking that you make that our reality. You bring us to that point, whether it is in a place of Bible study personally, or a place of prayer personally and corporately in terms of our fellowship with other believers. Just help us, help us. And Lord, we are asking for courage to be able to represent you, not just in our acts and in our character, but also in those moments when you nudge us to speak the gospel, to share the good news, to share the testimony of what you've done for us to a total stranger. Um, May we be willing, may we be yielding, May we be quick to respond um, and say yes to the nudges of your spirit. And Lord, if there's anyone here that is right now going through silent puzzles, silent wrestles, as it were, between knowledge, between reason and their faith, we are asking, O oh God, that you make yourself known <clears throat> the same way you came into the conversation with Job, in the midst of this ground puzzle to say, I'm not going to answer any of the questions you've asked me, but I'm going to ask you more questions that would make you know that I am great and I am worthy of all the worship that I jealously require of you. And that was Job's conclusion. He said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear before, but now my eyes have seen you. May that be our story. May that be our testimony. That we have seen the Lord, that we know him right. as he continues to know us. Thank you, everlasting Father,
8: Thank
0: for you. Christ Jesus' unfailing name. we prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.